Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, the flagship show of the Bitcoin Podcast Network. And you're hearing your first host, Marcello. And oh. I'm Hurst. You mess it all up, man. Yeah, I'm not your first host. I'm host number one. <laughs> and I'm host number two, uh, D. And Corey is uh, practicing Brazilian jiu-jitsu right now. Um, he's probably kicking trees with his... With his uh his calves, his shins, in order to harden them for his tournaments that he's going to enter, his tree kicking tournaments. Mm-hmm. So, I um, think uh, him him versus Roger Ver. Uh, Roger Ver wears a Bitcoin cash shirt. Corey wears a Bitcoin shirt, and then they fight for charity. Yeah, but Roger Ver wins that. He's got two belts on Corey, right? I don't know how that works. Does it ever have you ever seen a BJJ match where they just like say screw the match we're just going to fight we're going to fucking fight I've seen that a lot in the UFC mm. Well, I mean like Edwell. not in the UFC like if you're watching like training videos on YouTube of your favorite BJJ guy and then he just busts out into a straight up street brawl Nope Okay I didn't think that was common either so but you, it, it, what's up? Oh, never mind. I was just gonna keep going down that rabbit hole, but we should probably get on topic. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we we should talk about some some stuff that's going down in crypto. It's um, going down. It's going down, down. Isn't that Fallout Boy? Yep. <laughs> Why are you making that face? You're a hater on Fallout Boy. I don't get it, but whatever. Um, so, uh, Bill Clinton. Oh uh, yeah. I did not have relations with that Bill Clinton. Everybody knows that Bill Clinton, it's, except for if you're, I don't know, been living under a rock, period. Uh, so Bill Clinton is going to be a keynote speaker at like a Ripple event. So let's talk about this, man. You're in the avenue of marketing. That's your deal. What in the hell is going on? Like, are they just trying to attach names to coin, to, to, to XRP or Ripple or whatever you want to call it? Well, I think it fits in with uh, a number of things. It's no secret that black people love Ripple and black people love Bill Clinton. I think that shouldn't be surprised to anybody based on his antics. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Bill Clinton is totally retired. The only thing he does is make speeches for huge amounts of money. That's what he does. Um, if you look at his list of speeches, he spoke at the UBS Wealth Management in Dallas, Texas. He got paid $170,000 for that. He spoke at TD Bank uh, in Canada and got paid $300,000. 
Uh, he spoke at uh, the National Council of Community Behavioral Healthcare in San Diego and got $260,000 for that. So that's all he does. So you can do the math. He probably makes four or five mil a year. Yeah, just talking. Okay. You know what I mean? So when he spoke at uh, TD Bank in Canada, uh, he probably didn't wasn't too familiar with TD Bank or whatever. So he, he's going to go up there, and he's probably going to give some vague talk about revolution and finance and peer-to-peer payments. He doesn't have to know about Ripple, and I don't think he's endorsing Ripple. I'm just thinking it's kind of like, let's get Snoop Dogg on stage. Let's have a good time. We'll, we'll attach his name to our product and bring awareness. But I think Bill Clinton is just there to get get some money, which is fine. It's what he does. I mean, so whack, though. Bill Clinton would literally speak at my kid's birthday party if there was a few hundred thousand dollars in there for him. <laughs> I, I just want to tell everybody how special Ophelia is to the world. Yeah. And they'll probably find out her name like right before he goes on. What's her name? Yeah. A what? <laughs> yeah. A what? Ophelia. Sounds like a J.R. Tolkien name. Nice. I'm going. Um. Anyways, um, this is what I don't like is that there used to be a time when I thought that Bitcoin needed some sort of celebrity endorsement. It needed some sort of like popular culture thing. But then, you know, we had the whole blockchain is better than Bitcoin movement. Then we had the fork. And now we have a just complete cluster. Like it's all a fragmented cluster now. And now things like Ripple can take center stage and they get a voice now because there's not this army of people that know it's full of shit. And so you've got Bill Clinton. But then another weird thing happened and no one gave a damn. And I don't know what that means for anything, but our favorite celebrity ever, um, the queen of garbage, the one and only Kim Kardashian tweets out something about like Bitcoin, right? And I hate that I'm even talking about her, but she comes up on this friggin' show a lot. Lane pointed that out to me. She but, uh she was endorsing like the Cassie's coins. Cassius yeah. coins. Yeah, those uh tangible coins with the yeah. private keys built into it. Mm-hmm. And then someone in our Slack also posted that like there's this low low key conspiracy that like NBA teams are playing their are paying their players in Bitcoin so they can keep their like salary cap keep out of this keep out of salary cap trouble. It's like Bitcoin and crypto can never get like good news ever. It sucks. It's almost it almost feels like it's by design. Or early. No. No. Okay. Um well, I mean, th- that's just some stuff that I noticed this week. It's it's kind of slow. I mean, this is what happens with in in bear markets typically. Um but a lot of developments going on. That we're going to discuss on this Sunday show. Right now, we're going to keep it short and sweet for you guys. Um, This is a midweek. So, Naomi Brockwell is a personality in the space. Uh, She's been doing her show for a very long time. She also does, uh, like, parody music videos about Bitcoin. Are you going to play any of them? Um, Am I going to play any? I I don't have 
I mean, I, I could. You mean like personally? Like, am I gonna listen to it after we get off here and just like? Uh, no. I, for those that are unfamiliar. Oh, um, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I probably should. Yeah, I'll throw maybe. a Naomi Brockwell song in the final edit for you guys that listen to this on Sunday and miss the the live stream that we maybe do. the so, outro or something. So ten minute live stream. She's um, jocking all of our guests though, man. She she uh talking to uh, Roger Ver, Jimmy Song. Well, she like jacking all of our guests. She's been Eric at Gordon's. this a while. She's been at this as long as we have. Um, I did want to say something. You wanted to talk about Venom. Yeah, that movie you think looks, it's gonna be good or it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be garbage. No, how? Uh, it's just gonna be a giant CG battle of gasoline splats. What's so bad about CG? CG's getting good now. Uh, not in that movie. It's not okay. Anyways, and, so, and, and, and the Venom's voice sounds like it's just Tom Hardy talking into a fan. That is how they did it. You see the behind the scenes that they released on YouTube. They just took a fan, and, and the, uh, the dialogue is like, "Hey, the bad guy, watch out for him. He's evil. He's an anti-hero. Gonna... You know what I mean? He's like Scarface. He's an anti-hero. He's a bad guy, but he's a good guy. Anyways, um, we need to get to the interview. I like that turd in the wind line though. It was a pretty good trailer. I liked the trailer. I thought that guy was Carnage. I was upset. You told me it was Carnage and ended up being Riot. But anyways, um, this is the last time I'm going to say, but anyways, let's get to the interview with Naomi Brockwell. Uh, short lead-in to the interview this week. Do turds even roll in the wind? Well, I mean, I think it depends on the consistency of the turd. If it's like a, if it's a solid turd, it could get to rolling, right? If the wind is strong enough. But if it's one of those splats, uh... That'd be a shit NATO. You're ridiculous. We need to get actually to the interview because before we uh, waste any more people's time. So without further ado, uh, Naomi Brockwell, uh, we hope you guys have been enjoying your week. Um, and uh, we can't wait to get you an episode out on Sunday. So here it is. Hello, everybody. We have uh, a a very a very nice interview coming coming to you right now um we are joined by the lovely naomi brockwell um television producer host of naomi brockwell tv longtime bitcoin and crypto enthusiast uh comedian or a comedic touch to the content that you provide for everyone um second appearance on the show it's been some time. It's been two years. Uh, Naomi, welcome back to the Bitcoin Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. There we go. So I guess we should like requalify. We we we, we probably have a lot more listeners since last time you were on the show. Yeah. And so how about you you give us like a brief breakdown? Who is Naomi? You know why? You know why does she want to make this? awesome creative content for for the crypto space uh, how you roll that into becoming a television producer um you know all the way to the high, i think which was one of your 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 great interviews with ron paul who uh is probably like some sort of deity in this space on some level but um 
yeah, just give us a brief introduction. Sure. Uh, I'm working on some fun things at the moment. I've got a, a television show I'm producing called Hard Fork. And uh, it is, as you can imagine by the name, it's about blockchain. It's a gritty sci-fi thriller. And it's uh, set in this dystopian future where the government has the centralized blockchain and uh, they're tracking everything you do and they're tracking transactions and health records and um, and you know thought patterns and everything. And then this uh, group of renegades come in, they try to decentralize and and it's been a really fun project to work on. It's our, our director is a Sundance alumni, Doug Carr. We've got Christopher James Baker, who was uh, out of Ozark, Netflix, and True Detective. And um, mm-hmm. and we actually raised all of our money so far in crypto. So it's, it's an $18 million uh, TV show, which is a lot. And we raised our first 30 grand in incubation money um, on Steemit. And uh, and then we raised our first million on Dash. So oh, um, yeah, even applause. So, our studio effects, <laughs> our, our high quality studio effects. Yes, I, I, I'm kind of interested as to see like that. That's a that's an amazing feat to be at raising that amount of money for a TV show through crypto, and especially coming like you've been in the space long enough to know that like when you started thinking about doing that. Even like across multiple different avenues, not just from a single source, is is pretty amazing. Uh, how have you kind of ex- like what's been your experience in the growth of this space? Uh, trying to kind of be on the forefront of like creating content and then raising money to create that content with like crypto itself. Well, it's been it's been a a crazy journey. I mean, you've seen the space um, completely change. Can you hear that beeping in the out in the background? Yeah, a little bit. It's not that bad. But it's, it's all right. Add a little spice. It's a real effects. It's a real people. It's <laughs> a coming to your life, folks. Um, so it's been a crazy journey. Things have changed so much, and um, I mean, I MC a lot of blockchain conferences in the space as well. So just seeing that landscape completely change. Um, so your camera is going in and out, and it's like it's really I can't weird, stop looking at it. Yeah, it's really weird. It bothers me too. It's really weird. I can't. It's like so distracting. I'm sorry. Here we go. <laughs> Dee's camera for for the audience who's listening. Dee's camera just goes like it's like it zooms in and then zooms out with no apparent reasoning behind it whatsoever. It just keeps going. It's it's in my head. It's following my it's thoughts. So it's creepy. In my face. So creepy. As I'm in thought. It's like it's like none of these really bad like uh, C mo- C C grade oh, movie oh, yeah. effects where they're like suing. I feel like he did. I feel like he did it on purpose. <laughs> you guys are lucky that it's audio only at home. I tell you. Um, <laughs> all right. What was I even saying? Oh yeah. So this is so much better now. Um, so yeah, the crypto space has completely changed. When I first started emceeing conferences, everyone was an ANCAP um who attended and they were all about you know down with government control of money and it was all about freedom and and um and creating this wonderful free future for everyone giving us financial autonomy and now i go to conferences and everyone's wearing a suit and tie Mm. they're talking about how to integrate wall street how to regulate it properly um you know what what rules can we set in place and it's just a very different world um it's changed a lot, but it's an interesting world too, because I mean, blockchain tech is inherently freedom enabling, right? It's a, it's a distributed tech. It's, it's about decentralizing things. So I find that even people who come into the space who don't really 
agree or quite understand why Bitcoin was first created, um, they're still applying this freedom enabling tech to all kinds of different industries. They're saying like, we'll take this blockchain tech, we'll just, we'll decentralize, you know, healthcare data. And I'm like, super, <laughs> that's awesome. Even if you don't really agree with me on a lot of things, I, I mean, I'm all for different industries becoming decentralized and individuals having more autonomy and, and power. I think that's super cool. So yeah, the space has evolved a huge amount. Um, I mean, you saw the huge ICO boom in 2017, moving into 2018, where just like, obscene amounts of money have been raised uh for all of these new mm -hmm. projects i mean you got the the tezos and the bankor and the, you know all of these uh giant giant projects hundreds of millions of dollars and so that's fascinating seeing all of this capital suddenly flowing through and seeing companies that you know like like tezos i'm really excited what they're gonna come out with you know a lot of resources at their disposal a lot of these icos have a lot of money to pay developers to um improve tech to create awesome things so i'm very excited and optimistic about the next 10 years to see what happens and um how these funds are used and um and what new tools we have at our, our disposal i think bitcoin was the was the starting point we've just seen the, the space completely erupts, especially since we chatted last. Definitely. I am. Um, it's, it's very interesting. You talk about the, the evolution of the space from it went to such like, I guess you'd call it libertarian roots, like, you know, freedom should be free. And um, crypto anarchy was another big one. I see your hat there. Legalize <laughs> Legalized freedom. freedom. <laughs> I see that. But even in that hat, like it, it implies structure. Right. It implies there has to be some sort of structure just for people to feel generally comfortable. And I think that's what we're moving into is this new like uh, I don't want to say era, uh, but you kind of have to of, of crypto where we are going to need a little bit more structure. Um, I understand it's decentralized, but you already see it. And when, like you said, you go to the conferences now and you see, you know, suits and ties and not so many hoodies and sweats. In that structure, do you fear, I fear, I want to know how you feel about it. I fear that um, people are just saying that they align with those core, uh, I guess, the core spark that lighted this whole thing. And they're really just trying to become super middlemen um, and use this new technology to put even a, a bigger walled garden up on all of the things that they hoard and profit off of. And use us to profit off of as well. Well, I mean, I'm definitely very wary of government involvement in this space. Um, I think that Ron Paul said it best in that interview where I asked him, what should Bitcoin technologists, what should developers be looking out for in the next few years? Because government isn't going to take this lying down. This is clearly a threat to their power. What, you know, what advice do you give to people who are working on the side of, of freedom and, and blockchain tech? And he said, do not concede anything to government. He said, you will be tempted to let them in a little bit, you know, just a little bit of regulation. Let's just, you know, just try and just make people feel happy and comfortable. He said, absolutely not. You said you need to fight that because once you get a little bit, then it just encroaches and it becomes more and more. And soon you have an entire industry completely taken over. I mean, you look at what happened in New York with the bit license. I was actually at the hearings. I think it was in 2014 or 2015 uh, here in New York when they were implementing the bit license. And, and 
um, that it had, had Ben Lorsky basically at the forefront who single-handedly destroyed crypto in New York. At, until that time, you had a lot of companies based here. BitLicense came along. And since that time, what they've handed out like five BitLicense in all those years. I'm sorry, but there are a hell of a lot more <laughs> Bitcoin blockchain companies out there than five, especially in New York. And so the fact that only, they've only allowed for five companies to be exploring this technology uh, is crazy in New York City. And so every company just left. You had Kraken immediately just shut down services because they made it the regulatory framework like impossible for people to navigate. And uh, so everyone just left New York. And now, now New York is a dead zone for crypto. And it's so sad. But then you see, as you said, like these people who create these systems and then try to, to profit up them. You see this man then become an advisor. So he creates this labyrinth mm -hmm. of bureaucracy for people who, who can't navigate it. These giant barriers to entry. And then he says oh but I, if you pay me to be on your board of advisors i'll help you work through it so um well he then becomes you know advisor and um and i just think that sort of thing is just it's it's um shitty it's so reflective yeah it's so reflective <laughs> of, of of politics in general these people who try to create these barriers to entry and then they um profit off off you know, off all of this rent seeking when people try to navigate the space. And so I'm hoping that crypto can avoid that as much as possible. It is a decentralized tech, so it does have a stronger holdout than than other things, like with centralized, you know, focal points government can shut down. But I um I I do realize that there is an incredible battle ahead of us. It's definitely not mm. going to be an easy route, even if um even if I think that we're on the side of the the winners here. I have somewhat of a i want to call it differing opinion but more to add to that um like yeah you're seeing a lot of that and i think that's kind of the natural the natural flow of things but there's a key difference in it this time than previous times in history in that like people are going to try and rebuild what they know and do the thing and do like operate the way they used to operate in this system but the differentiator with respect to these decentralized decentralized technologies is the fact that people still have a choice to not use them. Uh, if like you can rebuild, you know, traditional banking infrastructure on top of on top of Bitcoin and Ethereum and things like that. But if you don't want to use those services, if you don't want to opt in to, to offload your responsibility and, and and value to these people, you don't have to. You can still use the base layer. Whereas in previous systems, you never had that choice. If you wanted banking services, you went to the banks. Now you don't have to do that. You have the option to say, well, you know what? I don't want to use your services. I'm just going to not use them. So then they're yeah. either forced to pivot to cater to what the people want based on what the technology allows them to do or die off, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's what's so exciting. You know, you've had the government monopoly on the money supply for so long and uh, no one had a choice. You you had to use government dollars. doesn't matter whether they inflate them away or what happens. Uh, you have to use them. And suddenly we have options. We want to buy something from the other side of the world. We can use Bitcoin. We can use Open Bazaar. We have all of these choices at our disposal. And I think that um, having those options gives a tremendous amount of freedom, which I find very exciting. I would say exciting. Some would say scared, but we're here to be the beacon of excitement for you guys. <laughs> so don't be fearful. Um, it's very interesting. You say like, we can't concede to the government. I don't, what does that look like if, if we do 
Like, is it the moment we say, okay, what, for instance, this, this rumor looming about a Bitcoin ETF, is that concession or is that just bolstering Bitcoin? Well, I think, I mean, ETF is great. I, I feel bad that the, the Winklevoss twins um, got theirs shut down years ago. It seems like maybe someone has a closer ear to, to uh, government now and can get theirs yeah. through. Um, They're used to I, taking I, L's, though. They'll bounce no, back. They bounce back. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I don't feel, I don't feel too sorry for them. Uh, I, w- I would love to be in their place right now. Um, but it, it, I think it's, I think having an ETF is great. Um, I don't think that's a concession at all. I see as concessions being, you know, I mean, and it's a difficult situation as well. Like for example, I recently chatted to Colin Cantrell, who's part of Nexus, and um, and he was saying we can talk about freedom all you want, but at the end of the day, the government has a monopoly use on force. And you don't comply, you know, you're taking a huge risk. You will go to jail. You will have a gun pointed at your head. You know, you will have angry people with a lot of power saying you have to do what we say. So it's it's not an easy choice for people to make. If you're flying in the face of, of regulation or or saying, you know, we don't we don't acknowledge that this is the only option anymore. We're creating these these other options which give people more freedom. You are taking a, a big risk, and that's why I um, I have so much respect for people who have been in this industry for many many years, who were the real trailblazers. They're the ones who are setting up these options for people. It's becoming increasingly normalised now for people to use these things. But you know, years ago, we were wondering, okay, are they going to make Bitcoin illegal? Uh, are we all going to be thrown in jail? You had early adopters who were thrown in jail. You, there's a guy in jail currently who is in jail for trading, you know, uh, US dollars for, for, for Bitcoin. So it does come at high costs. And I think people have to realize that and not dismiss those claims. Like it's, it's wonderful that Ron Paul is so encouraging and says, you know, be brave and go out there and fight. It's a people have to realize it is still a difficult road though, and they are taking risks doing so. I still encourage everyone to be brave and do that, but it's um it's it's a big decision and, and there are trade-offs there. A big part of that, um, kind of going about doing the right thing is is like what information people get from the media and how it's portrayed when you see things like TV shows trying to trying to teach people what this stuff can do, how it works, how it operates with people's daily lives. How do you make sure that shows get that right like for instance your show how, how do we know that like what you're putting out is enabling people to do what you think is the right thing and how and, and if, if that's an issue like do you think you'll get pushback from it right and i think you've seen over the years like i remember the first few times the bitcoin was ever mentioned in a show and it'd be in like you know nypd or yeah. something like that and they'd be like we've caught this drug runner he was using Bitcoin. And it was like just this buzzword for these nefarious characters and all the dodgy things they were doing. I definitely think that it's time we reclaim the narrative. I think that this is going to be the the first mainstream uh, television show that we're producing that actually talks about blockchain tech and the people who are creating the show are in the space. So we've got Jason King as an advisor, Bruce Fenton's an advisor, um, awesome people who are 
uh, you know, communities like the Dash community and the Cement community behind it as well. So people who understand the tech. So you have to realize technology is neutral. You can be used for either. So yeah, it is going to be highlighted in some television shows as this is an awful tool these bad guys are using. Um, but it can be used for a tremendous good. And uh, that's definitely, I mean, we're looking at both sides in our show. We're showing all of the realities, not just a one-sided mainstream mm. media. This is a scary technology approach. So I'm really excited about that. And I think it's about time we reframe the narrative because um, it hasn't been favorable. It's That's always the way when new tech comes along, people are skeptical, people are scared. Um, and it, it's not really given the, the the credit that it deserves. So I'm very very excited about the television show, and I, I try to do that in my um, my YouTube channel as well. Just educate people, you know, normalize the concept, show them what's exciting about the the space, show them the cool things happening. It's not all about you know what's the Bitcoin price today? Oh, it's gone up five hundred dollars since yesterday. Um, and it's not all about like what did these drug dealers do or whatever. Um, you know, not that I think that. <laughs> Not, not that I think there should be a war on drugs either. That's a different issue for another day. Um, <laughs> but I just feel like it's it's important when new tech comes along to fully explore it, the good and the bad. And um, and I think we've only really got the bad from the media so far. Yeah, definitely the bad. It's to the point where like even, you know, my extended relatives, they'll send me random texts like, so oh, what's fuck. going on is like are you a full-blown drug dealer now is that what this bitcoin stuff is about and yeah I'm like, and i'm like no and i think my mom asked me she she like a couple weeks ago she says i keep reading these articles that bitcoin is 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 uh is used to to buy drugs and stuff like that and i said um so my you went to you went to college in the late 70s what'd you buy your reefer with because i'm pretty sure it was dollars i'm, I'm almost 100 percent sure it was dollars and so <laughs> It, it's weird and it, it's funny you mentioned like tech always has people that um that disagree with it from the automobile to the microwave you know the microwave was probably fought hard like it's gonna cause cancer or or melt your brain you yeah. know it's, it's not natural to cook like that so it is it is funny you mentioned that and well i just hope the good guys win and we do need to recapture that narrative. And it's, uh, it's funny i um there's one guy on twitter <laughs> He, um, he, he's great. Like I have a lot of fun there, but he sends me articles like every few days about the latest hack or the latest you know, government <laughs> statement about how Bitcoin is awful and or you know tulip mania. Or, like every article is this negative thing, and it's it's kind of hilarious. So I uh, I enjoy reading those because my world is actually more of a bubble in the opposite direction. I'm constantly reading about all these awesome things going on. My entire job description is researching cool new projects and analyzing why they're awesome, why we should get excited, how this is a game changer, how this new tech is like cutting edge and going to change lives. So to actually be reminded of what the average person is actually seeing when they're watching the news is um it's it's good it keeps my mm -hmm. um here's my my finger to the actual pulse of where people's minds are at we've got a long way to go with regard to winning people over here so it's good to keep that in mind and um and stay on on at their speed so you can move along with them and uh move you know move slowly with them it's a scary new world out there so people people want to take it slowly and understand what's going on and i think that's fine I think you Definitely. I think you nailed it on the head there with um it's a it's a it's a it's a whole new world like how, how do you approaching this technology 
um, correctly is a difficult thing to do uh, for the average person, I think, which is why they tend to latch on to all the bad things because like understanding the good things is kind of hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we, how, like, how do we approach this? Like, you, do you, do you feel that it's better to try and educate people to get them into the space by telling how things work from a technical perspective, or is it better to appeal to some type of ideology that they care about? Because I, I, I fight myself back and forth between teach, like I need to teach people exactly how this stuff works so they understand fundamentally why it's going to be a game changer, or I need to not do that whatsoever and tell them how this technology can change their life for what they care about and say like, eventually you'll be able to do this one thing that you care about, or this one thing that you do now cheaper and better and you don't need to know how it works. And I go back and forth between those two things and I don't know which one's the right answer or if it's a combination of the two. How do you feel? Oh, I I think that you need to change your narrative with every single person you talk to Mm, um, and you think you need to connect with what's important to them. You have to realize that, I mean, you could get someone to understand completely all the reasons why you're involved with Bitcoin and you can explain the tech side, you could do all of that. It doesn't mean that they're ever going to agree with you. Even if they understand every single argument that got you on board, doesn't mean they'll agree. You have to find the issues that they agree with and that they're already on board with and reframe the narrative uh, in a way that would appeal to them Um, because everyone has different value systems completely different priorities in their lives different things appeal to them so if you want people to be interested in this they're not gonna I mean to pretend that we're all gonna get people interested in Bitcoin because it gives people freedom no that's not gonna happen people find freedom scary most people find freedom scary but what do people enjoy well some people enjoy helping others some people enjoy bringing people out of poverty some people enjoy the fact that this could overthrow corrupt governments um, that are that are stopping people from having land titles some people you know um, don't like socialism and so maybe they um, they like to see what Bitcoin's doing to help you know, be a lifeline to people in Venezuela. Um, so I think just reframing the narrative and like showing people that this can change lives for a whole bunch of different reasons. Sometimes the arguments that I um, that I give people, like I, they're not things that are important to me at all. But I realize what's important to other people, and so I make sure that they understand how how Bitcoin or cryptocurrency or blockchain um, is 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 appealing to them Uh, and I think that's the only thing that you can do you know making making everyone's mindset homogenous across the board is never going to happen everyone's always going to have different experiences and different contexts in their lives and so understanding where people are coming from understanding what they find valuable um, I think is is imperative if you're trying to convey a message I love that definitely I love that sense of empathy good answer definitely don't forget the um the YOLO Lambo crowd. <laughs> exactly. Like, why is Bitcoin important? Why? Because you can buy an orange Lamborghini yeah. uh, when this goes to the moon. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and you can get decals and you can get, uh, what's it called? A vanity license plate to uh, put on Reddit. When moon. When moon. <laughs> Wait, come make fun of my huddle cap. I got a huddle cap right here. <laughs> I happened to be on Reddit when that huddle term was... Really? Conceived. Yeah, no, I just not because it wasn't yes, on Reddit. It was on Reddit. No, it, it was, was in the. It was on Bitcoin. It wasn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It's an original. It's original Bitcoin talk forum where someone was drunk talking about how much they want to hold, and they kept misspelling it, so they just went with it, and it became a thing. <laughs> Maybe I saw like a relink yes, or something on Reddit because I was on Bitcoin Trader, and I saw that, and 
it was funny. I thought that was the moment. You guys are making me rethink my reality now. More often than so. not, good. That's not what Bitcoin is all about. <laughs> rethink your reality. <laughs> so let's lighten things up. Uh, Bitcoin isn't just about uh, fighting the man and listening to Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> Although uh, that is a great part of it. That's, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, let's talk about your shows and let's talk about you know how you get to experience a, a lighter side of things um and present a lighter side of things uh with your shows and i also want to talk about maybe there's obviously like a, a flurry of um content creators in this space and and you seem to be doing it very well you've, you've gone from your show to now you're a television producer and you raised 18 milli for uh, a show like how did how was that progression and how could you like impart some advice to all of the the content creators in the space and how you got from that point a to where you are now um well i mean i've been i've been very lucky i um so i'm a producer for john stossel part-time i was full-time with him and he's been amazing mentor for me just my learning curve went through the roof uh working with him so yeah very lucky to to be part of his show he's taught me a lot and I feel like I have a long way to go <laughs> with getting content that that he would uh, he would like. And um, so that's been a, a long road. And then my show, I've just really been focusing on it for um, for this year. It's been full time working on that, and that's been really fun. My channel's grown faster than I expected it to, and um, which is nice because part of my content is just like really cheesy music videos. So I'm <laughs> delighted that there is actually a market for that because um, I just do things to indulge myself. I'm like, well, this thing that's going to make me no money and it's going to cost me a fortune. Yes, because I feel like the world <laughs> needs a cover of this Taylor Swift song about Bitcoin. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled that people indulge me and watch my things even though they're ridiculous and then I hope that the rest of my content makes up for that and actually educates people and keeps them in the know with the exciting things going on so that's that's been fun and then I've been a feature film producer for a long time and um, I did a, a documentary uh, many years ago called the the end of money as we know it which is, that was a fun piece to work on. And it was interesting because that was where I first met uh, Bruce Fenton. I think this was 2014 maybe. Um, and I, yeah, first met Bruce Fenton. That's where I first met um, uh, Michael Casey and uh, Paul Vigna and all of these people who've kind of been mainstays of the space uh, speaking about cryptocurrency. And it all traces back to like when I interviewed them in New York for, for that. So that was a lot of fun to be part of. And, uh, and I believe that the director is actually coming out with a part two of that, an update on the, in the space. Oh. So, yeah, so I've got to find out more information uh, with that. Um, but I believe, yeah, and Bitcoin, end of money as we know it, part two. And there should be more details coming soon. But there's just the whole, like, content creation space. I mean, what we're seeing now is it becoming easier and easier for artists and creators to actually work full time in the crypto space. That's really cool. I mean, platforms like Steemit, for example, where suddenly, you know, you, you put up content, people upvote it, and you've just made money. Like, what? <laughs> it's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, we're so used to, um, you know, Reddit likes or Facebook likes having no monetary value, having a lot of social value, but, you know, no, there's no way to actually capitalize on that. And, um, and now we're actually seeing cryptocurrency platforms and decentralized platforms 
enabling users to make a living off the content that they're creating. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really exciting world. It's not just Steemit. I think Ono is coming out soon. Um, there are lots of different platforms. I know Bitcoin Cash has a bunch of platforms that are similar. So it just is an exciting world when creators are being empowered in this way because there's been so many barriers to entry especially in entertainment where you either have producers calling the shots or you have agents and if you don't have an agent then you can't get anywhere or you know the the cost of equipment has always been so high so suddenly you know equipment costs are, are down on the floor they've just absolutely pummeled um uh, plummeted to the floor and everyone has like a high definition camera i'm like holding up my iphone right now mm -hmm. we walk around with these at all times i have a walking film studio everywhere i go it's amazing it's so cool and you see more and more people capitalizing on this and that was the first step you know having the access to people to content creators so they could afford to make it and then you had editing uh tools like you know all the adobe systems just become far more cost effective suddenly you don't need avid to to um edit you you can get a far more economically affordable system and now we're actually seeing people being able to monetize and that's the next step and we're seeing audience aggregation being a lot easier because you don't need to be on a network television like the choice of three channels or you don't have to be on cable when they expanded people's uh um the, the number of channels that, that people could watch. You see Netflix come out of nowhere, be like this tiny little startup, and suddenly they've mm -hmm. grown and have taken center stage with all of their content. You've seen all of these other platforms follow, follow suit with uh, Amazon creating their own originals. You've seen YouTube originals. And suddenly it's easier than ever to get audiences or put your content in front of millions of eyeballs. And it's easier than ever to earn money off that. Again, like you see Google's place, I think going into the future is going to become less and less prominent because their entire marketing, their, their revenue platform is based on on marketing, on ads, on, um, you know, providing ads across all kinds of different platforms. But I, as you see with blockchain tech, what's happening is it's giving people control of their own data and it's uh, decentralizing that and allowing individual users to decide which information they will share and which information they won't share. And I think that we're going to see a complete paradigm shift um, going into the future, not just with mm -hmm. content creation and monetization, but with, you know, regard to how, whether or not you want to sell your health records, suddenly you're going to have more ability uh, to monetize that than ever before. You're going to be able to see people making, um, you know, income just from selling data which has been highly lucrative and only been able to captured by be, be captured by large corporations up until mm. now so there's gonna there, there are lots of changes ahead of us it's a exciting future i think it's extremely exciting and you mentioned a lot there uh one please keep making your videos because <laughs> they're awesome and you know there's a guy by the name of weird al yankovich that did just that and he's extremely <laughs> extremely popular <laughs> worldwide um there, I'd like to maybe summarize what you just said and add a, add to it because I, I there's a guy that I I've kind of been following and paying attention to lately named Jordan Peterson that summarized mm -hmm. this this uh, what you just said as a new Gutenberg revolution and like the, the access of um, available streamable video is a way for people to communicate that they've never been able to communicate before in a way that's very that's incredibly inclusive not. So it's available to anybody who wants to do it because the ways in which you do it is, is, is way better. And the blockchain technology side of that allows people to get paid for it 
in a way that they can make living and then make quality content, which is now becoming like the harder, the harder thing to do. It's not availability of content. It's availability of quality content. And if you can make a living off doing it, you can put a lot of love into it and build a community around it, which is like mm. enables more and more and more things that kind of, I think, push the good in the right direction, if you can, if you will. Yeah, and it's also fascinating to see how the contents change. So you look at the television world and you look how your television journalists are trained and how they create their content there thinking that there are a certain number of cable channels and people are just flicking through them, right? And you have to say, you know, have really quick sound bites, really strong uh, visuals to capture people's attention, although they're just going to change the, the channel. And that's that has been the previous paradigm. And things have to be short and concise. And you had segments that last five minutes, and that's the maximum mm -hmm. you could really delve into a topic. So you, you come from the television world, which is a very superficial world. There's very little in-depth um, like analysis that goes on there, a lot of talking heads that reiterate a lot of the same points across different channels. And then suddenly you move into the YouTube paradigm where you have people deliberately seeking out specialized content where you can put out a 20 minute video on the life cycle of the dung beetle and you've found a niche audience because someone is going to be like looking for specifically that information. I mean, the number of super dry you know to the average person probably very boring videos i've watched on monetary policy or you know the history of the normans or you know these things that you you wouldn't see those on television previously things had to be a lot more more captivating and uh I think that the the type of content has completely changed. You have a lot more in-depth analysis and specialized niche markets, which is really exciting because it also opens up the markets. It's not just a few people having a stranglehold on what information is going to be provided. It's uh, heaps of content creators specializing in individual industries, being able to put out content specifically for a very niche audience. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of cool as well. There's just more information out there than ever, which can, you know, also means there's a lot noise as well um but if you're discerning uh, i think that it can be it can be really cool to just explore the the world of information at the moment definitely and i'd like to rewind and harp on what you said about you know content creators having a, a, a plethora of ways to make a living in this space um and especially steam it if you're listening i'm talking to you hire a small team tour college campuses and you're the next facebook i'm just saying like it's it's pretty <laughs> That's a pretty easy move. Like yeah. if you go on a college campus and tell a bunch of kids like, hey man, you can get cafeteria money for posting funny videos. And sometimes that it's like playing the lottery because if you have steam in and it goes up in price, congratulations. <laughs> you just right. made more money than you even thought you made. Right, so, exactly. Um, that's just a shout out to Steemit. You're welcome for that, Steemit. <laughs> yeah, yo, I remember the yeah. first time that I uploaded anything onto Steemit. I put my first video. Like I, I subscribed in 2016 and then forgot about it. I was like, ah, uh, you know, another social media site. You know, is it worth the time investment? Is it worth the um, – I didn't know whether it had, there was a monetary investment, whether I actually had to buy C. Like I didn't really get it. And I left it. And then a year later I got back to it because I was hearing – the name pop up. I was like, oh, I've got an account somewhere. And I delved dove back into that. And um, and then I was like, all right, I'll, I'll throw up a video. So I put up a video there and I think I made like 30 bucks or something in Steam. And I was like, okay, so what can I do with this pretend Steam money that probably <laughs> isn't worth anything? You know, let's see what this is about. And then I went to transact out and I think the exchange rate was like two to one at the time. So that was $60 that I then 
put into my Bitcoin account. And as soon as I actually got Bitcoin for it, I was like, oh, wow. Oh, this is real. I literally put up content and I earned real money for it. But that was mind blowing for me. And um, and I've yeah, I've I've, I've really enjoyed working on the Hard Fork series uh, with that because we literally started this meeting people through Steemits, deciding, all right, let's create this project. And then we'd make content We'd put it on Steam, it, we'd earn money, we'd put that money back into production to make something else, which we'd then put onto Steam, it, earn money. And it was this iterative process. Yeah. And literally $30,000 of incubation money led to us creating our original teaser trailer for this series, premiering it at Steamfest Lisbon uh, last year, I believe it was. And, um, and from there, it's just been such an amazing journey for us uh, building this. But I see lots of projects like that. I see musicians just getting a regular income from doing live concerts. I see um, all, all kinds of things going on that I wouldn't have even imagined 10 years ago. You're thinking forward to the future, thinking, well, I have to get a, an agent and I have to get a job in a production company and and I have to you know try and make friends with this producer or they never even consider me or you know and now this this democratization of the space where it's easier than ever to make it on your own and uh to create content that you enjoy uh, and not to have to ask permission that's really really cool yep couldn't agree more well I guess we could wrap it up with our, our trademark question, unless you have, unless you have some more you want to add, Corey. No, that was, that was, that was a great way to kind of uh, wind down on. That's perfect. Definitely. So this is going to be your second attempt. Um, I can't recall if you passed or failed on your first attempt. <laughs> but in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? I think I'm actually going to give you the same answer I gave you. Uh, years ago uh bitcoin is money for the internet that's pretty short less than 10 which we always appreciate it's so funny to listen (laughs) to people just try and fail miserably at the 10 words (laughs) Uh, um well naomi thank you very much for all that you do um congratulations um to your recent successes um you know hopefully this becomes like a stopping point you know, every every so many episodes, you could swing by and let us know what else is new. Hopefully, after the show comes out and that you put a pin in that, then you could swing by and let us know or uh, any of the new projects that you can take on. So, thank you Wonderful. very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great.